So I had this question sent through on Instagram and it's a great question about my relationship. Welcome to The Underestimated Entrepreneur, where I share mindset, lifestyle, and business hacking tips, tools, and some painful lessons along my journey from growing my businesses and also working with some of the top entrepreneurs, business leaders, and professional athletes. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Underestimated Entrepreneur. For those of you who don't know who I am, I'm Michael Mojo, founder of Mojo Human Performance Institute, where we focus on business, mindset, and lifestyle optimization. And the reason why I do these episodes is that most people waste their life and I just don't want you to be one of them. Anyway, today, the question that I got asked uh, came through on Instagram. So it was Mark who has been following us for a while on Instagram. He shot me a message and he said, hey, in your relationship, does your wife support everything that you do in business and all that sort of stuff? And have you ever had any issues around the topic of business and your workload and all that sort of stuff? The answer is yes. There has been a lot. In fact, Jess is sitting on the couch now. She's looking at me, I'm in, I'm in our villa in Bali. But this is a great question. And it's a question that I do get asked a lot by business owners and entrepreneurs out there. And they will say, you know, is my partner supposed to understand business? And is my partner supposed to just get everything that I do? And do they just understand the workload and blah, 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 blah. Normal values clash in an intimate relationship. Now, from Dr. John Martini, who's a very close friend of mine, if you read his book, The Values Factor, he says around about 75% of a person's values in an intimate relationship are different, and around about 25% are similar. So there's similars and differences. And so you have similars that attract you together, and then there are differences that keep the relationship interesting. Because the purpose of an intimate relationship is to learn and to grow and to get the best out of each other. And that happens through love. It doesn't happen through passion. The word passion, if you look at the etymology of the word, the word passion means to suffer. And the reason why people suffer when they follow their passions or get into a passionate relationship is because it's quite volatile. So when you first meet someone, it's quite exciting and it's quite fun, but you only show the best of yourself. So when you start dating someone, you go and have a shower before you know you catch up with them, you put on on your favorite cologne or your favorite perfume, you wear your best outfit, your best clothes, you go get your hair cut, you take them to a nice restaurant, you say yes, no, sir. You know, you use all the right words, you say all the right things, and you adapt to make sure that you show the best to that person. So you're only showing them your good side. But as you start to get to know each other, you start to realize that there's this dark side to the person. Now, this is what Carl Jung, the famous psychiatrist called the shadow. So you'll start to see their shadow side. So this is, they're not so good quality. Now, there are a lot of people out there who will break up with someone when they start showing their dark side or their shadow. And you'll say, you know, I just don't think that they're the right person. That normally shows someone who's not adaptable in intimate relationship. And they don't really want a relationship. They want a fantasy. Now, if you have two people who have exactly the same values, you're essentially dating yourself. Do you know how fucking narcissistic and ignorant that that is to think that you're the best person that you could ever date because you're so fucking amazing? That's how a lot of people think that an intimate relationship should be. That if I date someone like me, who gets me, who understands me, who acts like me, thinks like me and behaves like me, then my relationship would be amazing. But in order to think that, you have to think that you're so fucking amazing, which is pretty ignorant. The truth is that you will attract someone with similars and differences. So you will have similar values that connect. So let's say, and, and I'll use a very classic one, but you can take this whatever way you want. I don't want anyone to get all offended and upset when I talk about this stuff, um, because there are some people out there who you know are very uh, triggered by this analogy. But let's just use a male and a female 
and the male is more business orientated and the female is more family orientated. So the female might have a high value of family and the male has a high value of business, wealth creation and career. Let's look at the male first. So the male has business and wealth creation, then career, then health and fitness or physical appearance. So they'll want to go to the gym all the time and exercise. And then they might have their fourth highest value as family. Then you've got the other person who has a high value on family. They might have the second highest value on travel and experiences. They might have the third highest value as connections. And then they might have the fourth highest value of health. You can see that they're that health is in both of their top four values. You can see that there is a value of travel and experiences which needs money in order to do that. And the husband then has a career as well that allows them to earn good money. But there's also gonna be clashes. So they have similars and differences. They both have family in their top four values. So they both wanna have a good family, but they prioritize things differently. The husband will wanna go to work and make sure that their business is effective and that his career is excelling. And the wife will wanna make sure that her family are being looked after and that they're healthy and that there is good communication and good connection in that family dynamic. Now, that relationship there will work perfectly fine providing that fantasies don't fuck it up. And Hollywood has created a whole bunch of fantasies and delusions, and so have most other people who have fucked up shitty relationships because they project their stupid ideologies onto other people. And so when a woman gets together with her girlfriends and the guy gets together with his, you know, mates, the guys will say, oh, you know, she's a pain in the ass because she complains all the time about how much I work and it's fucked up and, you know, you shouldn't have to put up with that shit. So now the guy has these fantasies caught up inside their own mind based on their friendship circle that's trying to help them, but at the same time is actually hindering them and probably gonna cause that relationship to fall apart or at least have some pretty heavy conversations. Then you've got the girl, the, the woman or female goes to her friends and her friends go, you know, she, he shouldn't work all the time. You know, he should prioritize family more and he should be home more and blah, blah, blah. Well, that's again, gonna cause a lot of conflict, a lot of issues and a lot of challenges and some really tough conversations as well. Most people should stay the fuck out of other people's relationships for that exact reason. And unless you've got the most amazing relationship where both parties are excelling in their values, what you'll find is that most people who give that sort of feedback to their friends normally have some form of fucked up relationship where even if the couple are together, they're both miserable and unhappy. They're not really there to support each other and to excel in each other's values and really understand each other. They just have given up. And there are a lot of couples like that. There are a lot of people I've seen over the years who just give up. They're like, oh, you know, I just don't want to upset her. I don't want to piss her off. So therefore I'll just fucking do whatever she wants. And the other person who just goes, you know, I don't want to piss him off. I don't want to upset him. So I'll just do whatever he wants. That's not an amazing relationship. That's just flatlining, okay? It's not not great. But anyway, let's get back to me talking about this uh, and mine and Jess's relationship. So over the years, I had to do a lot of study and a lot of learning on what relationships were. I read a lot of books on relationships because I'd done a great job in the past fucking up my intimate relationships. And there was a point where I thought I wanted to get married and have kids at a really, really young age. And um, that happened and I'm glad I didn't, but that's what I thought. And that was my family projecting onto me. I went through a stage where I thought, you know what, I don't want a relationship because in the past, prior to that, I had been trapped in a couple of relationships where I felt like I'd lost myself and I did everything for the other person. And so I thought, you know what, I just want to go out and do my own thing. So I ran a mark, I partied, I drank lots. And then when Jess came along, there was really no pressure. We became really close friends and we hung out quite a lot. And I noticed that when she wasn't around, I, I sort of missed her, but she never really tried to make me something that I wasn't. And I try not to do the same thing on her as well. But what we learned was that communication is the key to a relationship. Doesn't matter what happens because there is always going to be miscommunications. There's always gonna be problems. There's always gonna be stresses. And there are always gonna be things that come up from a person's past, whether it be from their childhood or their past relationships or their past friendships or just things like that, that you'll need to talk about, you'll need to work through. Now, when I was younger, I saw 
saw my mum yell quite a lot. So when my mum didn't feel heard or didn't feel understood, she would just scream and yell. And, and that was my strategy for communication as well, is that when I don't feel heard, I just yell and I scream and I get fucked off and I get irritated. Um, but Jess was very, very patient and very, very calm. And that helped me quite a lot because I realized that that wasn't the most effective way of communicating or having a great relationship. So I had to learn how to communicate effectively. And also Jess, on the other hand, would just shut down. So her natural strategy was that she would just shut down and just suppress everything. And so I had to learn how to make her feel more heard and that her voice mattered and that her communication mattered. What it did was by us being able to communicate effectively, I was able to get Jess to talk more and Jess was able to teach me that, you know, yelling and screaming isn't the best way to get what you want and that there are better ways. And so we both learned from each other. And by doing that, then we were able to communicate effectively around each other's values and what's important to us. So why it's important for me to work so much and why it's important for me to have the career that I have and the business that I have and why it's important for me to go to the gym and exercise. And when I do those things, she gets the best out of me. So when I live my values and I do me at the level that I feel like I can live my values, then she gets the best of me. And my job as well is to make sure that she leads her values because I get the best of her, not the shutdown version, not the upset version, not the angry version of her, I get the best out of her. And so over time, what will happen, and I remember hearing about this years ago, is that there's essentially three stages of an, in, of an intimate relationship. The first one is the I stage. So you get into a relationship because you get something from the relationship. So for a lot of guys, they get into a relationship because they get nurtured and a lot of guys feel like they need nurturing, especially if they're masculine they will tend to just work until they burn out or implode or they'll just shut down. And so nurturing is important to the masculine energy if you study Chinese philosophy. Now these are philosophical principles, they're not scientific principles, although I'm sure I could probably find some science out there around this stuff. But I've just noticed this working with thousands, tens of thousands of people as well, is that you'll see these patterns. So masculine energy in Chinese philosophy or ancient philosophy is a fire energy. So it'll, it'll flare up really, really quickly, but it'll die down really, really quickly. And it tends to run quite hot and heated. So it'll tend to be quite warm and hot as a person. Now, feminine energy is water energy, which is very cooling and calming. It can also be an earth energy, which is a very nurturing energy and it helps with growth. So what I needed was, and this is what most masculine energy needs, is it needs someone to nurture it. It needs someone to care about it because most masculine energy won't care about itself. It'll just keep working and working and working until it just burns out and then shuts down and switches off and that's it. And you'll see that happen quite a lot. And it happens with women as well. So masculine energy is both related to females and males, by the way, which I've gone through in other episodes. But coming back to most masculine people, if they're fiery quite a lot and they're working hard towards something, they will burn out. So they need that nurturing side. So when they get into a relationship, they'll want someone who nurtures, they'll want someone who gives them some form of status and makes them feel good about their achievements and, and the things that they're doing. And the third thing as well is that they need that cooling, calming energy to make them present. And also sex is part of that being present and things like that as well. So a lot of guys will get into a relationship because they get sex. Now that doesn't mean that females don't do that as well, but I'm just saying that that's more of a masculine trait. Then you've got the feminine trait and the feminine trait is more looking for stability and security. And I've asked this question in a lot of my events where I ask people in the room, how many times have you felt unsafe in the last week or who's felt unsafe? safe in the last week. And the majority of the room who are females will put up their hand and say they felt unsafe at some point during the week. And they'll be able to very clearly identify when they felt unsafe. Whereas when you ask most men whether they feel unsafe or not, they very rarely feel unsafe. So feminine energy needs more groundedness and more stability, but also it wants to feel safe. So a lot of females will get into a relationship 
as I'm generalizing as well, this is more of a feminine energy where they want to feel more safe, more secure and protected. So these are some of the common traits or the common things. Now, these are commonalities. These aren't, I'm not saying that if you're listening to this, please don't send me a message and say, you know, I'm not like that because you're probably not. There are a lot of people out there who aren't like that. Remember, there's 7 billion people on the planet. But when we create generalizations, it's general. So it's generalizing. And so this, this is a general pattern. These are general patterns. So when those people get together, male and the female, or even if you're in a homosexual relationship, there's one person who's more feminine and has more feminine traits. And there's one person who tends to have more masculine traits. So they get together in the relationship, but it's about them. It's about what they want. So the more feminine person wants safety and security, and they want to feel supported and protected. And the masculine energy wants to be more present and wants to feel more supported or nurtured and also would like some form of status as well and to feel like they're appreciated for their hard work and their effort and their energy. I guess you could call that status. So these are commonalities, right? Now that is a very, I don't want to call it egocentric, but I guess that's what you could call it because that's the terminology that society uses. Relationship, right? Because it's about the individual. Then as the couple starts to mature a little bit, they move in together. And as they start to move in, they realize that one person does more of something than the other. So over time, they start to 50-50 everything. So the second stage of a relationship is called a 50-50. And the 50-50 is, well, if you unpack the dishwasher, I'll empty the bins. But then one point, one person will forget to empty the dishwasher and the other person goes, well, fuck it. You haven't emptied the dishwasher twice this week, so I'm not gonna put out the bins, fuck you. And so then they argue and they fight or they just shut down and emotionally suppress. And then eventually they come back together. Uh, well, sorry, after, after that, they go back to stage one where each person goes, well, you know what? If you're gonna just do you, I'll just do me then. And you know what? Go fuck yourself because I will just look after myself and you don't really matter. And so then they go back to stage one of the relationship where it's all about the individual again. And then they realize that that's not really a fulfilling relationship. So they get together, they communicate and they say, well, you know what, if you unpack the dishwasher, I'll take out the bins. And then this goes on again. And this is a 50-50 relationship. Now, the majority of intimate relationships never go beyond stage two is that most couples become mates and friends and that's it. Because a stage two is all about, I will only give to you if you give something back to me. But then who's the person who decides who's giving and who's receiving and all that sort of stuff. So it's very much like how friends operate. You know, if I buy a coffee, then you buy me a coffee next time. So it's it's sort of like you're going back and forward and you're negotiating all the time with what one person should do and then what the other one expects and so on. To break through that, it's about getting to a stage three of a relationship and stage three is love. Now, when you love someone, your job then is to bring out the best in them and to get the best out of them. And so a relationship becomes about maximizing growth in each individual. And the way that you do that is by understanding each other's values, by understanding what's important to them, their purpose, their mission, their goals, and also helping them balance out a lot of their emotional volatilities and their past shit that they've gone through so that then they can progress and not be attached to those past experiences still. Now, should you do that, you've got plenty of room to grow and that growth is unlimited. It's untapped and you don't have to always negotiate with each other to get what you, to get what you want because you understand each other. There are things that I know about Jess where I know that if I do certain things, then she'll, I'll get the best out of her. Like I know that she has a high value on creativity and if she doesn't have creative time, then she starts to melt down. So I make sure that she has creative time each week and if I start to get hints where she's getting a bit frustrated and a bit narky, then she needs some time off to go do creative stuff because she's not living enough of her values. Jess also knows that, that I need alone time to think and I need time to work on the business every week. And in fact, the majority of my life is based around the business and we work together on these things. She also knows that if I'm not getting the results that I want with my physical body through exercise and gym and stuff like that, then I'm a dickhead to be around. And so she knows that 
it's important for me to train every day and to exercise because if not, I have all this ADD energy that you know I find it very, very hard to focus because I need to be able to burn some of my energy off. She will also know that I love learning and I love studying. So I'll hop on a plane and I travel over the other side of the world and I might stay over the other side of the world for two weeks or three weeks or whatever and I study and then I come home. Why? Because she knows that that's important to me. And when I come home, she gets the best out of me and she gets the best version of me instead of a shitty subpar version that, that is created based on unrealistic expectations around who she expects me to be instead of who I really am. And one of the questions that I ask a lot of people in my events is, does your partner love you or do they love the idea of you? Because if your partner loves you, who you are, it means that their job is to help enhance who you really are and bring out the best in you. Not to consistently negotiate, well, if you do this, then I get to do this and blah, 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 and create these unrealistic expectations based on a whole bunch of insecurities. And most people are really, really insecure. They're insecure with themselves, and then that gets projected onto their intimate relationship. And when someone's insecure, they always have boundaries, they have these cages that they trap another person in. Essentially, they create a jail for the actions and the behaviors of the other person. And so this is uh, a lot of relationships. And so it hasn't been easy, and we still argue, and we still fight, and we still get get pissed off with each other, but we've learned how to communicate more effectively through that. Does it always work out well? Hell no. It's an intimate relationship and you've got two different people with two different values, two different past experiences, two different future goals and dreams. And then the communication is the part that allows those things to work. So yeah, in response to the question, do we argue, do you know, how does it work in, in our business and all that sort of stuff? Well, it's our business and Jess essentially runs the operations and is, I guess, the brains behind the business um, to an extent. And then on the other half of the brain where I'm more of the, the business growth minded person who's always pushing hard and pushing boundaries and, you know, trying to get growth out of the business and and I guess is the, the, the earner because I do a lot of sales and stuff like that. But what we've noticed is that you need to understand how each other operate. You need to learn about each other. You need to be open-minded with each other. And there are always gonna be times where there are gonna be arguments and fights. And I think they're completely healthy. I very rarely have met a couple who don't have arguments, who don't have I guess you could say fights. I don't want to, you know, think that it's punch-ons or yelling at each other because that's, but essentially arguing with each other is just another form of communication. And so those things are always going to happen. But anyway, I hope that this helps and, and I hope this brings clarity around why fantasies and delusions that most people project onto other people around what a relationship should be and the advice that they give to others can absolutely fuck up other people's relationships as well. The best thing that you can do is understand your values, understand your partner's values, understand each other's missions, understand each other's purpose in life, understand each other's goals, and do a lot of work on your mental and emotional states because the more you work on that, the more stable you're gonna be and the more, the more stable your relationship's gonna be. And the more Jess and I work on our own mental and emotional stability, the more stable the relationship is. And the, the less crazy and volatile we are, the less crazy and volatile the relationship is. But I think that those three stages are really important to understand because you don't go from stage one, stage two to stage three. You have percentages of, of times in each one. So originally when we first started dating, we were both probably level ones and then we moved into stage two when we moved in together and then even now we still drop back from stage three to stage two to stage one sometimes if we are really pissed off with each other and then we go back to stage two and then back to stage three but what I've noticed is we spend more time in stage three now than what we ever have because we've learned how to communicate more effectively with each other and to understand each other and it's tough when you both got goals and you both got dreams and you both got different values uh, although there's similars and differences those things have to be communicated and there are always going to be boundaries that are crossed there's always going to be 
you know, lines that are blurred. These things happen in relationships. So it's all it's all part of the game. But um, again, it's just another way to grow. Anything in nature that's not growing dies. And if a relationship's not consistently growing and you're not learning about each other, then you might not realize it, but it's slowly dying and it's slowly uh, fading away. So anyway, I hope that helps. It's a great question. And this is also why I really think that it is so important for couples to get clear on their values, their purpose, their mission, their goals, and also do a lot of mental and emotional balancing with the balancing tools that we teach at our Thrive Time event. I think that Thrive Time is probably one of the best events for an intimate relationship because you get clear on each other. And we've had plenty of couples who come together and do Thrive Time together. We've had people who they go, my husband or my wife thinks that this stuff is absolute bullshit and they think that it's an absolute joke and that you're a scam artist and that you're gonna rip us off and blah, blah, blah. One person will come along to the event and then two to three years later, that same person who originally thought it was a scam and who originally thought it's bullshit is sitting in the event. That happens because they see the shift in one person and sometimes it's one person who needs to make a shift in the relationship will be the person who changes the relationship dynamic over time. Very rarely do both parties change together at exactly the same time. Sometimes it happens, but very rarely. Normally it's one person has to go first. And I remember there have been a couple of times in our relationship where things needed to change and I just went, you know what, fuck it, if I don't change, nothing's gonna change. And so I went and did my own work and, and improved myself. There are other times where Jess has done that. And you know, that's part of an intimate relationship. When you sit there and you say, well, I'll change when they change or what happens if I change and they don't? Well, that's just your fear, your worries, your concerns and all that shit impacting your ability to grow in your intimate relationship. I don't think that that's a great idea because what you're doing is you are then putting the change outside of yourself. You're saying, well, if they do something, then I'll do something and that's irresponsible. If you want something to change, then you've got to change it. The person who's more aware at any point in time is the one who normally makes the change. So uh, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, shit, I need to change something, grab your ticket to our Thrive Time event, come along, I guarantee it'll change your life. In fact, it comes with a money back guarantee because I know that it works. And um, it's the, the exact tools that I teach at Thrive Time are the things that have probably impacted our intimate relationship the most and um, helped us to both be on a similar page. Not the same page, because we're two different people, but we're both on a similar page and a similar journey um, in, in our growth. So um, yeah, I hope that that helps. It's a great question. Um, and yeah, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Anyway, Driven Mofos, if you haven't shared the podcast with one person this week, I know our numbers have been cranking up and it's a massive thank you to everyone out there who has been listening to this podcast. I do have to apologize as well, because I know the sound quality is not as good as normal, but it was just that uh, the episodes didn't seem on my home computer before I went away and I am overseas so I'm using a little lapel mic that's plugged into my computer and I know it's a bit echoey in here because the room is a lot of concrete and uh, you know bricks and all of that sort of stuff so I know it's a bit echoey and the sound quality is a bit crap compared to normal I do appreciate um, each and every one of you sharing this stuff and getting it out there and um, yeah if you haven't already shared it with one person this week if you could do that again it would make a massive difference because those numbers keep cranking up and we keep getting more and more people listening to this podcast. And so, um, yeah, I want to say a massive thank you to each and every one of you who's been sharing this. I know a few, a few people have only just started listening to the podcast and sent me a message and told me uh, who was the person who told them to listen to the podcast as well. So um, you all know who you are who have been sharing it. So I do appreciate each and every one of you. Thanks very much, River Mofos. Have a great day. Keep kicking ass. And I look forward to you joining me back here on another episode of The Underestimated Entrepreneur. Take care, everybody.